You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, let's talk more about that huge Illinois basketball victory over Florida Atlantic, shall we? Michael Tulip, our On Enquirer basketball analyst, joins us shortly uh, to give his thoughts on Marcus Domask, huge game, what his emergence over the weekend in New York City slash New Jersey means for the Illini, and uh, what he's seen offensively, what's changed for them, and what does this win mean for the Illini? We'll talk about that, and we'll look ahead to another top 25 showdown at Tennessee, number 17 in the country. They're looking for a win. They are hungry for a win after losing three straight to top 10 opponents. They've had a very, very difficult schedule so far. They had an impressive win at Wisconsin earlier this season. It's a really good team. It's a veteran team. It's a physical team. Uh, So even though they've lost to some very, 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 very good teams, this will be another great opportunity for Illinois. Another great test for them. Michael Tua breaks it all down. But before that, there has been a little bit of football news since the last time we chatted, like right after I posted the podcast. We saw Taz Nicholson decide to enter the transfer portal. And I'm not too surprised. This was a a tough year for Taz. He led all FBS defenders in penalties. He was good in coverage when he did not commit penalties. Uh, Very feisty, but obviously a big piece of that 2022 team. I know he was probably the fifth defensive back there, but he still made a huge contribution. And when he left and was hurt late in that season, you could tell, right? Like when he was absent, Illinois struggled a little bit more in the secondary because teams attacked that guy. But he obviously had some struggles this year, and this might just be the best case for for both parties, just to look elsewhere. Illinois was obviously looking for upgrades regardless uh, at cornerback. And I think Taz Nicholson could use a fresh start elsewhere. So hopefully in his final year he can have some success because this year was a really tough year for him. But this puts more pressure on Illinois to to land more defensive backs. I think, and I've said it on this podcast, outside of Xavier Scott, I don't think any starter – should feel confident that he's going to be a starter in the secondary uh, returning. So, and, and I included Taz into that. So this staff needs to hit uh, on some DB transfers, and DB's already been a big need. They have been very busy in the portal offering defensive backs. Chase Kanda, a Juco kid whose brother Channing Illinois recruited and offered last year, is now at TCU. Uh, he's a really athletic DB, can play nickel or corner. Does Xavier Scott move to corner and, and allow you to play someone like Chase Cannon who's visiting this weekend? Um, but they also got to add more. Zach Toby has to develop. Sabor Kareem, Jaheim Clark have to develop. So while Taz Nicholson, I think even by his own admission, did not play as well as he imagined, Illinois still has to replace him. He was a starter the last two years. So, I, you know, some people reacted, oh, Illinois is better for this. Yeah, if they replace him. Uh, and if they get somebody who can be better than he was last year or they develop somebody, and that, that's on the staff to do uh, now moving forward. Sed McConnell enters the transfer portal, a guy who's in the rotation this year, a guy Terrence Jamison was excited about entering the year and did play a part in this rotation, but he was probably the sixth defensive lineman and really towards the end of the season did not play much. Part of that was because the guy in front of him, Johnny Newton, rarely came off the field and is going to be a consensus All-American, which is amazing. Illinois back-to-back years, consensus All-Americans on defense. They haven't done that since I think Kevin Hardy and Simeon Rice and Dana Howard were all on defense. So it's been a long time since that's happened. But, you know, Sed McConnell is a loss because he was somebody you were expecting to potentially be part of the rotation. But I didn't expect him to be the no-doubt starter. And I thought if he was the no-doubt starter, that might be an issue because I think Illinois is expecting Sed McConnell to take a big leap this year. And I didn't necessarily see that. I think we could all see that when 
you know, the second string defensive line came in, we all expected a drop off, but it was a little bit bigger than uh, I think even Illinois expected. I thought Bryce Barnes played pretty well in the rotation. Another guy they have to replace. But the turnover you're having on the defensive line is pretty insane here. You know, five of your top six guys are on their way out with Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, and Denzel Daxon all gone, Bryce Barnes gone, and now Sed McConnell. Uh, so there's a huge makeover in that defensive line room, and that remains for me, the top need uh, on this team. Clay Patterson was a really good start. The transfer out of Yale, I think he's going to play that three technique. Won't be Johnny Newton. I talked about that in the last last podcast. But uh, I think he's going to be a really solid starter at the worst, and I think he could be pretty good. T. Edwards at nose tackle. Feel confident in him being part of that. But then you're counting on Alex Bray and Jeremiah Warren to play big roles in their second year. But most likely, Ono's going to add at least two more guys here. You could potentially have three more. If uh, you that would make me feel a lot more com- comfortable and confident if you added three more guys to that rotation. But they need another nose tackle, uh, and and they offered uh, a JUCO kid here recently that I think could potentially play that role for Illinois. Um, they offered Xavier Stillman, who I think could play nose, maybe could play some three technique, but big physical guy. Uh, they've offered a lot of defensive line transfers here recently um so I, I think and he sledge out of Auburn could potentially be that nose tackle that that Illinois uh, could use and a guy who's very highly ranked highly recruited out of high school Illinois was in on him the first time around he could be a significant addition they offered Torian Carter out of Arkansas uh, had a pretty good 2021 but then missed the entire 2022 season came back last year played a rotational role for an Arkansas team that wasn't all that good but if he can bounce back from injury, maybe he's a guy who can make an impact. Illinois offered him. Uh, Asian Shepard is another guy. East Mississippi, I think he'd be kind of the Keith Randolph role. I watched some film of him. Uh, he's got some really good length and athleticism. I do think he needs to add strength. Uh, and I, I just don't know if he's the guy that automatically, like, no doubt starter, going to make a huge impact day one. He's got a couple years of eligibility left, but I, I do think he can help uh, and, and replace a guy like McConnell, potentially be uh, an upgrade over McConnell. But Illinois needs two or three more defensive linemen in this class um, in, in the transfer portal. And then you look at offensive line. They certainly need more there, uh, and they need a tackle. Probably going to look for a guard who can improve depth as well, and uh, we'll see who they're able to get there. They've offered – Plenty of offensive linemen. Remington Strickland, a guard out of Texas A&M. Um, you know, another guy to watch, I think, would be Kevin Wigginson, who started a lot of games at Michigan State, and Illinois seems to have an in there. So we'll see if they're able to, to land a guy like that. Luke Newman out of Holy Cross at Illinois is in the mix with a, a bunch of other schools. Uh, and they're looking at a lot of prospects right now. So I'm, I'm really interested to see who emerges among those offensive line targets. I, I feel confident they'll land guys there. Uh, defensive line they is still the biggest need for me because I feel like Illinois has got some guys who could play on the offensive line. Defensive line, they just don't have numbers there. They don't have a lot of experience there. So if I'm ranking these, they're both huge needs. But if I'm ranking these, I still have defensive line ahead. But tight end has moved up the list because Tip Ryman is entering the NFL draft. I honestly thought he could come back for another year. But Tip has shown, and he's drawn a lot of NFL interest. I, I don't know if it's to the point that he's a certain NFL draft pick, but he accepted a, a bid to the Shrine Bowl. He's got time here to, to still come back if he wants. But the way Illinois is recruiting tight end transfers now, it seems like Tip Ryman's on his way out. And that, that's a big loss because this guy played three-quarters of your snaps on offense. He was the best blocker they had of the bunch, and he was the most productive receiver. And I thought if he came back next year, maybe he could take another leap to about 30 catches at tight end. But I do think they have some guys in Tanner Arkin and Henry Boyer who could take another step and be physical, good blockers next year. I think Henry Boyer has a massive potential as a blocker. And Tanner Arkin kind of stole his role late in the year. So I think you saw good things from him. What they could really use at that position is is a more proven, dynamic receiver. Um, somebody who can stretch the seam, somebody who can be reliable as a pass catcher. And, and kudos to Tip Ryman. I do think he took a big step there. I thought he could have been targeted more, to be honest with you, especially early in the year. But Illinois offered a couple guys at tight end the last couple of days. Tanner Kozel uh, out of Ball State. He played, uh, he's an Illinois native, uh, played at Nazareth Academy and Mount Vernon, Lake Park as well. He's got two years of eligibility left. 
at Ball State. He had 69 receptions for 668 yards and 10 touchdowns the last two years. And he played for Ball State, and his year with John Paddock was pretty good. So John Paddock can vouch for him. Um, they've also offered Tyler Neville out of Harvard, who's gotten a bunch of offers, 6'4", 235. One more year uh, of eligibility for him. Uh, he had 62 receptions for 698 yards and eight touchdowns over the last two years. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of other tight end possibilities. Bauer Sharp, great name out of southeast Louisiana. I, I think they got a good sell for that. I think they can find somebody who can contribute, but they certainly would need somebody like Boyer and Arkin uh, to, to take steps up. So it's going to be really interesting to see who they get to visit this weekend. I will say transfer recruiting is a little bit more under the radar. Uh, the teams like to keep things a little bit more under the radar. The players don't talk as much. Uh, so, you know, we didn't learn until very late in the process. I didn't learn Tommy DeVito was visiting until I saw him at an Illinois basketball game a couple of years ago. Didn't learn until after the visits that Hudson Card and Luke Altmeyer had visited. So these things are kept a little bit more hush. It's a little bit more businesslike with the approach here. Um, I don't know quite to the show Hey Otani type of silence, but it is more like that with a lot of these. So it's going to be interesting to see who visits this weekend, but certainly these next two weekends are going to be huge for Illinois in its efforts to improve its 2021 and 2022 roster. Last thing I want to say, Illinois is doing a really good job of getting their prep guys on campus immediately because just talking with a bunch of these prospects, so far I have 11 of the 17 prep commits set to early enroll at Illinois. I think that's huge. And Brett Bielma has made that an absolute priority. He has encouraged these guys to do it if they're able to do it, if they want to do it. And to get 11 of the 17 coming in, including Andrew Dennis, offensive lineman, Eddie Turk, a lineman, uh, Demetrius John, a defensive lineman, Angela McComb, a defensive lineman. I think it's really important for those guys to get a head start, plus your quarterback and Trey Petty. I think for those guys, it is so, so important. Uh, but Easton Baker, linebacker, I know everyone's a fan of his uh, and his highlight video. I think he can make a, a contribution on special teams. Joe Barna, who's going to play the edge, eventually could probably play defensive line, but he's going to start that outside linebacker position. Vernon Woodward, who is among my favorite prospects, a defensive back out of Florida, getting here early. Tyshawn Griffin getting here early. Josiah Knight, uh, a really good edge rusher, high ceiling guy getting in here. The one guy I really would like to get in here uh, early would be Khalil Valentine. Uh, running back, he's not going to be able to get here till June, but he's a guy I think can contribute right away. I think we saw last year, like Malik Ellison got here in June, plus he had veterans in front of him, right? That that played a role in it. I think those guys are physically ready, but to get in that playbook, to get in the system, to get those reps, I think is really important if you want to make an early contribution. I think it's really important for the offensive line and defensive linemen to get a head start on building their bodies, right? And and maybe not being ready to play right away. Maybe Dennis can be a guy who's in the two deep. Brandon Henderson did that last year. But I think getting you ready for your second year to potentially make a big impact, I think that's really important for those offensive linemen and defensive linemen. I think it's what we could see this year. Like, will T.J. McMillan and Brandon Henderson getting here early last year, how much does that help them? I think that's going to be interesting to watch. All right, when we come back, let's talk hoops. Michael Tua breaks down the huge win over Ford Atlantic. That's next on the Online Enquirer podcast. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog Sports, using the promo code, and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked out Underdog Sports, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app, go pick whether favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, Travis Kelsey, he's very popular these days. If his number is set at 50 receiving yards, and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to go way higher than the number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business if you go five for five you can 20x your money so sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 there are a lot of fantasy companies out there but we decided to partner with underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you you must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Time to catch up with Michael Tulip. Happy birthday, Michael Tulip. How are you, man? I'm 30. Uh, <laughs> How's it feel? But, but I'm good. I feel like I'm in my athletic prime, That's which, right. is, which is great. This is the peak, Mike. This is what you've been looking forward to the entire time. I'm just not good. hitting my stride, man. <laughs> Facial hair is... Still awful, but we're getting there. I don't think I'll ever, I'll never be one of these. I don't think that's that's yeah. possible, but uh, we're getting there, man. Yeah, that's never been a problem for me. I was growing this out at like age 20, so uh, then it fell out on top. So uh, that might be the better. Yeah, it's got to go somewhere, man. You're just, you're just reallocating. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Mike, uh, Marcus Domas certainly hit his peak uh, against FAU. What, what a phenomenal performance. 33 points. Illinois, huge, impressive win as he and Shannon each score 33 points, both career highs. We got to start with Marcus Domask. I think we saw a little bit of a breakthrough against Rutgers, got him going a little bit. I mean, he's been good against really good opponents. Uh, The low majors, not so much. Uh, But I I know you didn't have a lot of concerns, but what do you think led to this performance for Marcus Domask? Well, it was, just to put the performance into context, the the graphics showed on the screen, but I mean, when you're talking about a top, two and Terrence is in there too um a top two scoring output in the Jimmy V Classic that is that's insane because you think about the 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 teams that get invites to that tournament are elite teams oh yeah most times it's a very small field and and those games are are typically great games with great opponents so that alone is impressive but but it is it is incredible for a few more reasons too I, I mentioned the stage right uh, the opponent, that's an opponent in FAU. I mean, what would they possibly be scared of coming into? I mean, after what they did in the tournament last year, how they've performed in these high-pressure type of games, and they've typically in the past just with their toughness and strength, they've bullied people. And that's just, you know, Davis, uh, Elijah Martin, that's that's what they do. They back down guys and get into the pain. And you gave them a taste of their own medicine, but the, the last – part that I'll mention and why that performance was so incredible, the efficiency. I mean, him getting the 33 points on nine of 21 shooting and shooting 10 free throws is a lot different than 15 of 21 and having two guys score 33 and having it be completely additive, like completely additive. And uh, so we'll, we'll dive into it a bit more, but the, the last point or the really two more points I want to make about the mask he was feeling himself. And and I, I I will give you one instance where I knew he was feeling himself. And it's not when he was doing too small or Jordan Shrug or shaking his head after he's making shots. Those are obvious, right? That's when you can see a player and be like, yeah, he, he feels like he's got it going. It was 76-68. Damask takes a not great three early in the shot clock. Davis comes down, hits a long one, 76-71. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't I hope Marcus doesn't all of a sudden become gun shy. Yeah. Literally the next possession, <laughs> he's like, F it. They go under again and he he steps right back for three and drains it. So 
and, and then, you know, the point that I want to make to tie this all together is that he has a responsibility with his talent and his skill level. You have a responsibility game in and game out for your team and for yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself or you have this kind of timid nature, like we've seen against some of these go figure, you know, mid-major, low-major teams, that's doing your team a disservice. And I'm not even saying that in a way that's hard on the kid, but that's the responsibility you take on as a really good player. Terrence Shannon, you know, think about the Penn State game last year mm-hmm. at home. Terrence was awful. And and look what it did to the team. So that's, you know, everyone says they want to be that guy. But this is how you prove it on a nightly basis. And it's not always going to be 15 for 21 from the field, 33 points. But that mindset of no one can guard me out here and I'm still going to make the right play and do the right thing, that that goes that goes a long way for this team. There's no question. Speaking of Terrence Shannon, uh, Mike, last year we talked about, man, this guy is so good. Sometimes does he realize it? He needs to be the alpha, needs to assert himself. He has done that. And now if you can get Domask, 33 is not going to happen maybe once more this season, right? But if you can get Domask giving you 15-plus most nights or, or frequently, what does that do for, for Terrence Shannon if Domask can be that regular second option? Yeah, I, well, we talked about it the weeks leading up to that game. So for Terrence, I, I was worried – and I've said it on this podcast before, I was worried that he was going to run himself into the ground yeah. trying to carry this load. I, I was really worried about that because his health is priority one for this team. I, I don't I don't care what anyone says. And I think it's, it's obvious, but it still needs to be stated. But the flurry that Marcus went on in that, in that second half, I mean, he was, he was good in the first half, but in the second half in particular, it's like FAU's guarding him has no idea what to do with him. And then all of a sudden kind of lying – in weight is Terrence freaking Shannon. And then he kind of drops the anvil at the end of the game and takes guys off the dribble and ones and just absolutely broke their spirit. And that tandem is so important because not only just on the offensive side of the ball, but Marcus is good defensively. He uses his strength. He can move his feet. He levels you off. He is not just surviving on the defensive end and is just this offensive talent he and, and that helps Terrence too because we've talked about it before and I want to shout out Ty Rogers Ty Rogers has been incredible on that end but you don't want Terrence to feel like he has to guard the best player every night in addition to carrying this offensive load and the last point that I'll make is all these teams prepare Big Ten teams non-conference they all prepare you don't want 98% of the scouting report to be Terrence Shannon you don't want 98% of what scout team is doing taking away Terrence Shannon's left hand and, hey, this action, we want to blow this up here. Can you divert some attention away from Terrence Shannon for teams that are prepping? And Marcus is doing that. And that 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 is going to help Terrence, one, be able to play within himself more and not feel like he has to shoulder that and, and take over every single second. Uh, and that's that's huge. That's huge for this team. That's huge for, for both Marcus and Terrence. Uh, and I'm excited to see them continue to be consistent with that because uh, there's a lot of things that I think have contributed to to them getting to this point. This is probably the two back-to-back on the East Coast here, the, the two best offensive games we've basically seen uh, from, from Illinois. And, and the stat I'll bring up, Mike, the last five games, Illinois has averaged 42 two-point attempts, 23 threes. First three games, Illinois averaged 31 twos, 27 threes, almost even there. Uh, what's changed? Is that the biggest change? What have you seen – about why the offense has been effective the last couple of games, just besides just Marcus Domas going on a heater. Well, it's the the change has been twofold. There's a mind. There's been a mindset change, and there's been a schematic change. The mindset shift has been, hey, every single possession, we are not letting you off the hook. Now, there's been times, certain times throughout the game where they'll they'll shoot it a three early, of course, yeah. but you can tell that the identity and that there's been this concerted effort to get to the paint first. That's not always through a paint touch or a post entry, but can we just say, man, we are putting pressure on you regardless of if you pressure us in the backcourt, if you come at us in the half court, I mean, we're, we are just, that is what we are doing period. Now the schematic change is that I think the scheme has been a little bit more deliberate there. They, they have proper spacing and when I say proper spacing, that comes down to who is spacing where. And 
there was a great like all 22 look that they did in Madison Square Garden when Marcus was isolating up top. They happened they happened to do it during the game, like almost like when you shift on NBA Live or NBA 2K and you, you shift the view. And it was a perfect look because you had Marcus dribbling the ball up top. And the change that they've made is that they're now putting Coleman Hawkins in the corner and Ty Rogers is in the corner. So if those two guys are up on the wing, which a lot of times you want to enter it to Coleman Hawkins and have him play as this hub, which they still do at times. But hey, if we space Coleman to the corner, now if the two guys on the wings are Terrence Shannon and Luke Goody, those gaps are a little wider. Mm -hmm. And now these guys can operate and vice versa, right? Terrence Shannon has the ball. Marcus Damask is spacing on the wing. So where they've put these guys is equally as important to just simply, as opposed to just like having spacing. And then the other thing that I'll mention too is They've been very, you can tell we'll break it down on the film, of course, uh, but they've been very deliberate with the pieces that they have and what they want to run. So instead of just doing, hey, they did some zoom action stuff where they'll enter it to Coleman, guy cuts over the top, sets a down screen, down screen into a handoff. That stuff is good and they'll still run some of that, but they've, they're implementing some more like role replace actions. So I know this is video, so I'm sure and if anyone's listening, if anyone's listening on a podcast, I'm going to try to break this down as the best that I can. But picture, you know, you have your action that you go to to initiate the offense. And then eventually it is a Coleman Hawkins. You have Terrence Shannon in the right corner, okay? Coleman Hawkins comes up and sets a screen for Marcus Damask to come off with his right hand. As he's coming off with his right hand, Terrence has now made his way under the basket and there's a role replace action. So we've talked about Coleman weeks ago. We're like, Coleman needs to start sprinting out of, not just popping every time, sprinting to the on the rolls. They're doing that. Mm -hmm. Coleman is rolling to the basket, and simultaneously, as he rolls, Terrence is coming up to the top of the key. So picture Marcus Damask off with his right hand, Coleman rolling, Terrence coming off the roll replace. When you throw back, you may have Coleman on the roll, but when you throw back to Terrence, what's Terrence doing? He's catching it, and it's a right hand, it's a left hand drive on the single side with with you know maybe it's Goody in that corner. Yeah, uh, that's the shift that needs to happen because sometimes they have Rogers in that corner, and the, the tag man is way too far into the paint. So if they put a shooter into that paint, now you got Terrence option to Terrence, okay? Or that low tag man is worried about the roll, and then they're also worried about chasing Terrence, and it's going to free up that skip pass. To the other side. So you see where I'm going yeah. here. There are just so many options to play out of it. And you have guys that can make sound decisions too. And then they have, you know, when they really want to simplify things, which is what they're doing too. It doesn't have to be complex. When they simplify things, I mean, some of those baskets were just dribble the ball up the floor, use your body and score. Right. Yeah. Just like, you're bigger. I, I was going through, I put some stuff into the film, but I'm also like, I don't need to, to like analyze this too deep. This is a guy who has a size advantage and is putting you on his hip and going and scoring. Yeah. And sometimes that's how that's how simple it has to be. But the other action that they're running too is kind of this pistol action where you'll see if Marcus Damask is dribbling up the left side of the floor, and they did this and they like a matchup. You got I think uh, Greenlee for for FAU guarding Justin Harmon. Justin Harmon comes up and sets a pistol screen from the corner. Right. I'm I'm, I'm dribbling up to the left wing. Now he comes up and sets almost like a reverse ball screen, gets that switch, and hey, it's clear out. Mm -hmm. Back down, let's go. And and that that is what they've been trying to work towards. Now they're doing it. Now how disciplined can you be in a ruckus environment in Knoxville? And and can you stay yep. can you stay the course? Right. And if they do that, they're they're gonna be a really efficient offense because they're gonna be shooting less threes and they're getting way more shots around the hoop. They were really disciplined with that. I thought they were really disciplined, and of course, like Brad Underwood talked about booty ball. He's got a booty ball guy. Uh, maybe multiple. If Ty Rogers can improve his game, Justin Harmon, if he gets uh, smaller guys on him. But Coleman Hawkins' impact the last two games, I think, has been so apparent, Mike. Uh, I, I know FAU scored 89 points, but when he's on the court, the defense is just different. Vlad Golden's a, a tough matchup. But what have you seen? Uh, what is his impact? What, have, what has played out the last two games with Coleman back? We've been talking about this for years, man. Um it, I know it's not always perfect with Coleman. There's some things that can be frustrating. All of us can can probably say that. And and but but no no player is perfect. And I think 
I, I put out the clip on Twitter yesterday. Uh, you can stick around for the film room because it's it's in there as well. But that, I just wanted to highlight those are the little IQ things that he does. An early box out on Vlad Golden to steal a possession, make two free throws, and that pretty much put the game away. And then he has all these all these little things he's doing offensively and defense. It's he's a kind of around the fringes guy, mm-hmm. but you need that type of guy. That guy is like the glue to your team, and. He allows you to play a certain way. When I talk about spacing Coleman to the corner, Coleman hasn't been shooting it particularly well, but there's still somewhat of a threat there. He's a guy that's hit six threes in a game before, six, seven threes in a game before. Um, If you stick Dane in that corner, that guy's planted right in the middle of the paint. So that's what you can do with Coleman. And then I I just, I want to point out the, the growth from Coleman as well. I, he is is starting to recognize a little bit of, of who he is. I think Coleman's a good shooter. It, they haven't fallen yeah. this year, but he hits a massive, 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 massive three to make it 89-84. They come back and hit one, 89-87, and Damas comes off with his right hand and gets that same exact look, throwback, to Coleman. Last year or maybe two years ago, Coleman shoots that again. And it, like it wasn't a clean catch, it was the pass was a little bit low, and he was still able to just say, "Hey, time situation, let's go into a dribble handoff." And that possession ended up playing out, and it led to him getting that offensive rebound and, and the foul. Mm-hmm. And so that's those are the things that that you just you just love from him. And uh, Terrence Shannon was a massive. Uh, it was a massive deal that Terrence Shannon came back this year. There's no question, but there's part of the reason why everybody was so fired up that Coleman was coming back too because Coleman helps Terrence. I mean, it is, he helps this team so much. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm excited for him to, to get fully healthy as well. I think he's, I think he's battling a little bit oh, yeah. out there, but, but that's, that's, that's what you want to see from a guy that, that has been around the block and is, is willing to, uh, to sacrifice a bit for his team. Domas settled into his role. We know Garrier seems really comfortable in his role. Wasn't a great game against FAU. But uh, the other emerging storyline here is Justin Harmon on the East Coast. Two games, 42 minutes, 17 points. Mike, and he did it efficiently, making all three of his threes. That's not going to continue to happen. But, like, he looks settled in. How, how do you see that? Well, we talked about an emergence from either Harmon or Dre Gibbs. Like, someone had to do it. Yeah. Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn, Harmon, it, was, it had to be someone – and and it's been Justin and you mentioned settling into his role this is a new role for Justin Harmon I'm not sure Justin Harmon has literally ever played this type of role in his life and you could see that early in the season it's kind of hesitant where do I go usually I kind of have the ball in my hands and it's more it's easier to kind of dictate where you're going to be on the floor possession by possession now he's he's hey corner space relocate threes corner threes pursuit on the offensive glass be a pest defensively he seems to be settling into that and you could say this for Quincy and Justin I watch them I I'm not there I'm not in the locker room I'm not there at shoot around I, they their attitude is just phenomenal I watched last year right and like last year was oh look at these guys that are even keel and then it was like early season like are you even keel or are you just like kind of like Apathetic, or I don't know what the what the, the the body language is definitely different. Now, when you win two games like this, I mean, we'll see if they lose a game and they have a couple a bad stretch. That's kind of when it turned last year. But yeah, I, you can read. But it. I'll, I'll say I'll say this: Harmon, I think, was maybe dealing with a, a different type of role. I'm, I'm not saying he had he had bad body language early on. He looked a little bit more like quiet on the bench early yeah. in the season. Quincy has not changed at all. No, <laughs> bad shooting. You know, I. Just he is he just looks like a ball of joy out there, and that 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 does so much because we know that Coleman can be kind of like high strung sometimes yeah. in games, and like Quincy just seems to kind of level him out a little bit, and that's that's huge. And and I, I think this is the role when you look at Harmon, this is the role we kind of envisioned for him. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this in the off season. It's like, hey, you're a come in off the bench. Don't think you're not a multi read guy. You're a single read, and that's not a bad thing. Catch and shoot, opportunistic attacks, pest, you know, you know, pesky on the offensive glass and a pest on defense. That's your role. And he's he's figuring that out. And and if he and if he's consistent with that, 
and he doesn't get the the Pat Riley disease of more or <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, I just, well, I did this. Now I need this. Like if guys stay, if guys stay consistent with their roles, man, this, this team's going to do some things for sure. Speaking of roles, what do you think the coaching staff is telling Dane Danger right now after a couple struggles, especially against FAU? It's tough, right? Because we've we've seen success from Dane. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, this is a really good Illinois basketball team. And this this happens everywhere you go on elite teams. There's someone that always, I'm talking always, pretty much 100% of the time, there's someone that always is going to feel like, I could probably be getting more minutes or man, I'm not getting the opportunity or, Hey, my performance is the, is the re- like, I can't get into a rhythm because I'm not playing enough. And that's why I'm not performing in these, in these stretches, these 11 minutes that he had at FAU. Yeah. It's just, there was some good in there. It wasn't, it wasn't all bad, but just, just little things to where we talk about the, you know, he kind of gets this, uh, I don't know. Like you, you pull your hair out a little bit. Cause it's like, he wants to make things happen the second he gets the ball in the post. I'll show it in the film, but the second the ball got entered to him, this FAU assistant coach stands up and points at the guy ball side and is like, go, run at it, run at it. Like he's going to put the ball on the ground. Yeah. And he goes and he dribbles and he tries to spin and it ends up being a turnover. And, you know, and then even in another turnover he had in the first half, he just, he caught it at the elbow he had a guy in the slot right in front of him, and then he had a guy in the corner. Like there was no spacing for him to operate, and he's still like quick spin, dribble into the to like the crowded side. And so just I, I it's hard. I'm I i can not even sit here and be like, man, Dane, come in and be perfect. Cause it's 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 an imperfect situation. Right. Cause you you aren't getting as many minutes, so it's hard to get in a rhythm. And it's just less is more. With, with him and but how, how you talk through that or I don't know you're winning and it's like if you if you've developed a good culture and you have good guys in that locker room that makes it a little bit easier for a guy like that to swallow you know to, to swallow that and and I I know I see him on the bench and he seems to be standing up and I see him in the locker room post game and all that now there are a lot of other hours that are spent outside of right. the bench and the locker room but you, you just you hope that he's seeing the big picture and understanding, man, this is a team that has a chance to do a lot of things this year, um, some big things, and he has a chance to be a part of that. It may not be as big as he thought, but still a chance to be a part of it. And also, if things break down and he's counted on, you still got to be ready. That can't, it reminds can't, me, like, it reminds yeah. me, Mike, of junior year Georgie. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, Kofi and Grandison are getting all those minutes, but there's going to be games they need him. Like, they're, like Coleman's going to be in foul trouble or, you know, maybe Coleman's hurting or not playing well. But they're going to need Dane Danger, so he's got to be ready. And Georgie had some some frustrating games, but also some some really big games that, that we can remember against, what, Iowa, uh, was it, uh, yeah. in, the, in the Big Ten tournament? Like, so I, I feel like if he accepts that, like you're saying, you, you just got to be ready. Uh, you got to be locked in. Well, I think Coleman's a great example of this. You know, Coleman's sophomore year – they, you know, they play Wisconsin pretty much like a, a month and a half maybe before they clinched the Big Ten title against Iowa. And Coleman Hawkins played two minutes. Mm-hmm. But he stayed ready, and then you, pl- you play that game against, against Iowa to clinch, and he plays 37 minutes and has nine points and ten rebounds. Yeah. So you, you, you have a guy that you can potentially lean on in that, in that situation. Or if you're Coleman, you're like pulling him aside. Hey, man, just be ready. And and things just things just work out. I've never I've never been in a situation where I'm like, hey, if you have a bad attitude or if you're upset with your role, if that tends to persist, things typically don't work out the way that you you want them to work out. There's just there's a bigger picture at hand, and you just kind of hope that Dane sees that and buys into that. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. 
Com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with home field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the basketball ringer tee, the rose tee, and the 1980s long sleeve with the script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15% off your first order. We all know you're wearing Illini gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think that you should check out Home Field Apparel, which has the best designs, and these shirts, guys, are really comfortable. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Home Field is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. Ford Atlantic was actually pretty good in this game. That's what makes this win even, even more impressive. Um, and, and Ford Atlantic, I mean, scored 89 points. It was the worst yeah. defensive efficiency of the year for Illinois. But, Mike, I, I thought they bothered FAU, especially early in this game. What did you make of the, the defensive performance? You got a historical offensive performance from two of your best players, and it almost didn't matter. That's that's That was stunning. When, when you talk about how efficient Illinois was and what they're, what we know they're capable of defensively, and to look at that game and be like, it is 89-87 yeah. with, with a minute 57 left. This is insane. The thought of potentially wasting that performance, oh. I don't even want to say wasting, but not being able to pull out a win, that would have been... It would have been like Tennessee ruining a 37-point night from Dalton Connect against North Carolina, right? 100%. And, and, and also, it's just like... As as hard as that would have been to swallow for Illinois, equally you just got to you had to tip your cap to FAU, man. I mean, they mm-hmm. that is that is a team that I I would be shocked if they lost more than five games this year, and they've already lost two. Right. So they just they have it everywhere. They their guard play and ability to shoot the ball, and they have one of the better bigs and um, you know certainly in mid major basketball. But he's he's a high major player. I mean, he's a he's a high major transfer in Golden. And so it's kind of and awesome. It's at, kind of awesome, Mike. They've they've played two teams I can see in the Final Four. Yeah, no question. It's awesome. Mar- yeah, Marquette and FAU. I think are two teams that can make it there. Tennessee has a chance. Yeah, I was to say they, they got one more coming. Yeah, yeah, if things shake out the right way, that they can do it. And look, FAU. I say you held them to one point oh three points per possession because it was a high possession game. Everybody looks at you can look at the eighty nine points. That was a higher possession game than the Marquette game. And Marquette paid, plays this, like, you know, feverish mm-hmm. tempo. Um, you know, so that was, I think, the that was FAU's third lowest, you know, points per possession of the season. And Illinois did that um, and was still able to, to pull out that. I mean, Illinois was 1.25. And, and that this is still a really good FAU team defensively. So it's encouraging to see that this Illinois team – can play a different type of styled game where it's like, hey, 164 possessions in a game, and we can keep up. That's a lot. Yeah. We can not only keep up, we can score almost 100 points. And granted, there was a there was a very efficient 98 points, but that you didn't make 14 threes. Right. That's that was one of my takeaways from this game was if you told me that Illinois put up 98 points, told me in the beginning of the season Illinois is going to put up 98 points against FAU in Madison Square Garden, I would have said, how many threes did they hit? Because just like the UCLA game last year, everybody's celebrating the UCLA game. I'm like, I don't think Terrence is going eight for nine from three the rest of the season. Yeah, and I don't know if 15 for 21 is sustainable, right? Like, Domestic probably isn't going to score 33 again, but Mike, the way they got it felt way different than UCLA or even Texas last year. Like that. So, yeah. do, you, do you feel like this is a different kind of win than, than last year? Do we take more out of it? Should, we, should Illinois fans feel more encouraged about this one than the two huge wins they had last year? It's a loaded question, and right. I'll give you I'll give you a few different answers to that, um, or I'll, I'll take it in a few different directions. One, it's different because it felt like you were never out of it. Uh, you felt like you were out of it against UCLA and Texas last yeah. year. 
you happen to surge back and, and steal both of those games. You're down 15 to UCLA. You're down 12 to Texas. And that was like the story for that team mm-hmm. throughout the year. It was like, well, here's Northwestern at home and down 19. All right, well, let's charge our way back again. It was exhausting. Yeah. And this game, right, like the where you are getting your looks is way more replicable than, you know, last year where it was like, Hope we hit some threes. Step back, Terrence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matthew Meyer, step back. Oh, okay. Wow, that went in. Like, there were too many of those looks last year where it was like, oh, oh okay, okay, thank God. That You know, Tuesday night was like, man, they if, they, if they're patient enough, they'll get – they won't get all those types of looks, but they'll get a lot of them, right. and, and they'll be able to be a, a very efficient offense. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, I, there were people calling in on radio after the game and stuff. Well, you know, this is what they did last year. I'm like, does it feel different to you? Yes. Watching this team and last year's team, does it feel different to you? Do you feel like when you're watching this team, as a viewer, is there a little bit more trust? Like, do you feel like, hey, late game, oh my, you're not like, I mean, FAU made it tough, obviously. Sure. But you're not sitting there going like, who's going to take the tough one? Who's going to take the tough shot? Who's going to potentially turn it over? Like, I, when the ball's in Marcus Damask's hands, Terrence Shannon's hands, you just feel like, ah, oh, there's comfort there. There's comfort there. And then to me, that's that's all you need to know. The difference between last year and this year is that you just have a little you have it's more you have more experience, mm-hmm. for sure. But you have guys that have been around the block. And then they they you can see it in their eyes, you can see it on their faces. Late game, there's just there's no panic. And that that's the difference. Well, Mike, a hell of a start to December, two and zero to start this thing, and now, hey, here's another one. Huge opportunity at Tennessee. Feels like this uh, past week and a half has already been a success because of of getting two, but now you have a chance to to get greedy, man, and, and go yeah. steal a, another quad one. I would say quad one AA uh, kind of win on the road here against Tennessee. So, what do you think of this matchup, and and what's this game mean for the Illini? Yeah, well, I was interest, interested to see how they you know, reacted after the Rutgers win playing against an FAU team that wants to just bully you and out-tough you. And that game was set up for you to come out there lethargic and be like, man, we're 1-0 in Big Ten play, got a big road win, and now we played this mid-major FAU. Um, so that was encouraging. And now now you got to do it again. And I think some of the some of the things that you're hearing out of press conferences, Damas, Terrence Shannon, they won that game on Tuesday night, but it wasn't like it was – their Super Bowl, and I think they they truly are like. I think Damas said it. He's like, I, we didn't we I, I didn't come here. We didn't we didn't you know play. We're not playing this season just to beat FAU. Mm-hmm. And now you go to Tennessee and another road environment. That's a really tough place to play in Knoxville. It, it just is. We've seen SEC teams just struggle there constantly. And um, and this is a team that's that's battle tested. I mean they have they have the the fifth best strength of schedule in the country and when you look at who they've played i mean they've played the likes of wisconsin i mean they look at wisconsin right now this is a team that beat wisconsin by 10 at the Center, mm-hmm. and you know and then you got you you've played syracuse you've played purdue you've played kansas you've played north carolina i mean geez I, they they have seen it all and they're they're only you know they're only nine this is their ninth game of the season and and they play they are so physical and that's that's not i'm not breaking any news we we know that's that's how tennessee plays but if you're tennessee i said this a couple of weeks ago i was like shoot if i was tennessee i would i would absolutely be as physical as possible with this team to try to send them to the free throw line now you're like 18 for 20 okay they can they've showed that they can knock down some free throws so and i think you're still going to need to if you're illinois i think you're going to spend some time in the bonus in this game um but it's just it's interesting seeing the the contrast. There's a couple teams, and we'll we'll talk about some Big Ten teams as well. But the contrast in, in Tennessee's style, they've just they've played you know high major opponents. They've been pretty up tempo offensively, which is not which yeah. is not common for them. They're 25th nationally offensively in tempo. Last year they were 246. Now defensively, they are still you know knock down, drag out. Fight you like you're gonna have to to be disciplined like we talk about and try to still generate those those good looks. But I'm looking at Ziegler, who is a small guard. If you're Terrence Shannon, Marcus Damask, it's once again, can we go matchup hunting again? Mm-hmm. Can we can we find these matchups? If it Dalton connect, how's that ankle? Let's test it. 
get him in ball screens, go off the deck. You know, I there's there's ways to attack this team, but again, it just comes back to to being disciplined. You brought up Wisconsin since their back-to-back losses to Tennessee and Providence. They've won six straight, including Virginia, SMU on neutral site, uh, then Marquette at home. Really impressive win, one by 11. And then Michigan State, they won by 13. What do you make of that Badgers team? Feels like them and Illinois kind of putting themselves in that at least second tier of contenders that can maybe push or make Purdue sweat a little bit. Well, they're doing it in a slightly different way than they've done in, in previous years. I think AJ Store was a really big pickup for them. And I'm not I don't know what's going on with Connor season. I Yeah. I don't know. That to go to be ten a game and all freshmen and now you're playing like four total minutes in the last two games. That's maybe he's injured. I I, I have no idea. I don't I don't, don't want to speculate, but AJ Store was such a big pickup because it felt like that's just that's not the type of guy that they get. I feel like they haven't had a like kind of a go-to scoring two guard since like Michael Finley, and yeah. and uh, you know and now you look at their what they've done against high major teams. They have ten plus offensive rebounds in every single high major game they've played. Hmm. All they had twenty against Virginia, Wisconsin, who is. 330 plus in the country in offensive rebound last year. So maybe it's like a it's a more concerted effort to say, hey, let's let's we we know we we play a slower tempo, but let's still try to steal some offensively because now it's like you're hoping to be one and done with Wisconsin because of how much they 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 test you defensively with running using that shot clock, and now they're getting offensive rebounds and saying, kick it out, let's run let's run it back. So you, there's there's times you're playing defense for 50 straight seconds against Wisconsin because they're getting more back. And then the last thing I'll mention about Wisconsin, they are turning teams over this year. They're turning That's teams rare, over. Yeah. Klesmit and, and and Store, like they're getting into passing lanes, they're getting into you, and that has not been a staple for, for Wisconsin. Wisconsin's taken care of the ball over the years, and they're like 90th in the country this year in, in taking care of the ball. But the flip side is they're getting more back on the defensive end. So, man – and they're, they've got skill offensively. Crowell can step out, and, and he's he's a skilled big man. So I, not a lot of people were high on Wisconsin. They had a disappointing finish to the year last year, but here they are again, yeah. like the Grim Reaper. That's right. Uh, it's way too early to be thinking about this, but we can do it. At Wisconsin, March 2nd, home against Purdue, March 5th. That feels like it's going to be some, some big games, and you finish the, the Big Ten season. Yeah at Iowa which team do you trust the most to bounce back Michigan which through a couple games felt like oh maybe this team is good because they got some talent Maryland I I know they beat Penn State in overtime that was not a very impressive game or Michigan State like of those three teams Michigan Maryland Michigan State who do you think bounces back Michigan Maryland and Michigan State yeah if you threw Indiana in there, I know they're two and zero right now in, in conference. I, I would say Indiana because I think they what they do defensively. But I mean, I'll probably go Michigan State. Um, I you know how I felt about them. Yeah, you were very skeptical of them. Man. They I they I top five in the country was insane, and yes. it, it probably did them a disservice too. You lost your best player, in Joey Hauser. I don't care what anyone says. Joey Hauser was the best player. Forty five percent from three, leading rebounder floor spacer you're a ball screen team I, i've said it a million times before he made aj hogard so much better right like yeah and, and there's more space to operate for those right. guys and Ty, tyson walker to operate in the mid in the mid-range game and but look they were overrated they'll they're eventually going to be underrated mm-hmm. that's that's just what's going to happen now i said going into the year could they shoot the ball well enough to you know because they shot well last year and that helped in a lot of different areas they didn't finish stuff around the rim very well uh they were last in the conference in field goals around the rim and the same things played out this year they're just not shooting it well and you know like defensively i trust them more defensively than those other teams so i mean michigan is is horrendous defensively they they really are and teams are shooting almost 40 percent from three on them and that's not just like, hey, teams are making shots on us. That tells me you can't guard off the dribble because that's that's what's leading to more quality looks. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I expect Michigan State to bounce back. Yeah, they do this every year. You know, they'll they'll drop a few in non-conference, and then you'll underestimate them, and then you're like, oh, well, they might get a double bye for, for the Big Ten tournament. And then, they're, set, then they're the most dangerous seven seed in the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and then we'll overrate them again going into the next yes. season. So, uh, yeah, I, I, Michigan State would be my team to, to bounce back for sure. Yeah. What do you make of Indiana? Seven and one. They're two and zero oh in Big Ten play, Mike. I still, I still don't buy them, but Khalil Ware's been better than I expected. Like he, he's, he's really improved. I got to give Mike Woodson a lot of credit. And that front court's a bear. I just, I just don't know if they can have the guard play to, to really contend here. But they're a little better than I thought. No, they are, and then their front court, their front court's really good. Yeah, it is. And and Khalil Ware just coming into the season, the main thing was, is he going to play hard? Yeah, because the talent was always there. You know, he has, he's he's really skilled as well. But what was Mike Woodson going to get out of him? Because Dana Altman was just kind of like, take him, fine. That we we don't want him anymore. And then maybe that lights a fire under a kid like that who was like a top fifteen projected guy last year, mm-hmm. and has, has slid a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you you look at Indiana; they've been solid defensively. Offensively, they just they they're one of the worst three point shooting teams in America, and part of that is point guard play. They just they can't generate enough good ones. But if their bigs end up forcing more double teams you know now maybe you're getting kickouts that lead to more high quality shots but you know they're, they're 22nd in the country in two point field goal percentage they're finishing around the rim um, they've shot it relatively well from the free throw line I think they're they're 70 percent but they're going to the free throw line a ton um, like their percentage of free throw attempts to field goal attempts I think is is 12th nationally so they're they're getting there and they, they play a physical style uh, of basketball and they're also just kind of abandoning the three which is similar to Illinois is not abandoning it but they just I, I think they're they, they they're like 360th in the country Indiana is in, in three-point attempt to field goal attempt so they're starting to kind of figure out who they are and I, I don't think it's gonna I they could end up being an NCAA tournament team like a, a potentially like a nine-ish yeah. or a first four type of team um but yeah, if if you don't have your front court in order, that that's a team that can give you give you some fits. And and if you know Mike Woodson, he's going to have his team playing hard for sure. Well, this was fun, Mike. A huge game, huge win for Illinois. Two uh, feel good wins on the East Coast, and we'll see if they can go down south to Tennessee and get another one. Because Mike, if they win that one, they might be a top ten team in the country next week. I I would I would <laughs> guess they would be. They would be for sure. Mike Tuop, thanks as always, man. All right, man. Take care. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip. He is the goods. And if you need more of Michael Tulip in your life, which why wouldn't you? Go check out our film room. He broke down this game in detail. It was a bit longer of a film room, but it is worth it. He broke down a lot about the offense and why it was so efficient. What got Marcus Damas going, but what he's seen schematically over the last couple games that's changed as well, I thought was was really educational. So if you want to know more about Illini basketball and how this all works and what you're actually watching and why these things are happening, Michael Tupas' film rooms are, are so good. Jay Lehman does it during the football season as well. So if you're not a VIP member, sign up. It's $1 for your first month of VIP access. You can go check that out. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to all our YouTube community. You guys have been awesome. If you're not part of that, go follow us on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. Like those videos. really helps us out. We're trying to do more and more on that video side of things as well. And as always, we're keeping up on Illini football, transfer portal recruiting. Joey Wagner covering the heck out of Illini women's basketball. And all three of us, Wagner, Piper, and I, heading down to Knoxville, Tennessee for another huge potential matchup that if Illinois wins, you're going to have a top 10 team in the country. And by the way, uh, to, to leave you with this, I, I do appreciate the national perspective sometimes. And it's something I've been talking about, you know, the last couple of years, because I understand the, the angst of not making the NCAA tournament. But I thought Matt Norlander hit on it really, really well in his follow up to the Jimmy V Classic of just how relevant Illinois basketball has become under Brad Underwood. Again, I know there's that, yeah, but you haven't made the tournament. And I wrote a column about this early in the year, like what Brad Underwood has done to turn this program from, you know, a Big Ten bottom half team. A lot of times they're playing on Wednesday of the Big Ten tournament. I kept saying I I would miss Graham Crouch every year. He covers Michigan State, one of the guys I really respect, covering the beat in the you know this this entire league. I'd rarely see him at the Big Ten tournament for a long stretch of years because Michigan State would get the double by Illinois would be out on Wednesday or Thursday. Like Illinois is constantly finishing top five. They are constantly, mostly ranked under Brad Underwood, and they've had some huge wins. And they're playing the Jimmy V Classic three out of four years, and 
listen, I, I get it. Having that extra weekend in March and, and having that run, it's important. Of course it is. But there's also a lot of good happening. And, and the fact that you get players like Terrence Shannon, I would assume, and Kofi Coburn to stick around longer than you expect. Coleman Hawkins uh, to stick around longer than you expect. I know there's transfers out, but boy, Illinois has really done well in the transfer portal. And, and it's worked out pretty well for them. So I think this could be another really, really good year. And I just don't think we should overlook the good that has happened, even if you want that longer run in March as well. All right, that's what I'll leave you with. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.